Today's episode is with Michael Rechtenwald. For those that aren't familiar, he was a New York professor, Marxist, turned libertarian, turned LP presidential candidate. Yeah, quite the interesting story arc, if I do say so myself. Uh, we get into that, but he's answered a lot of questions as to his origin story, so I took it way, way deeper. <laughs> like, dangerously, dangerously deep. So deep, in fact, that about a half an hour of this had to be cut, and I will be putting that on my locals exclusively, because I cannot possibly post it elsewhere. Sorry. Uh, if you want to support my work and go watch that segment, it'll be libertylockdown.locals.com. Or if you want to go listen to the audio version, I will be posting the full interview on audio. But it'd be nice if you want to support the work too. libertylockdown.locals.com. Uh, yeah, half an hour of that is just way too hot to handle. Uh, but it's probably the most important stuff to talk about because you don't hear it any anywhere else. And it's all true. <laughs> so it's up to you if you want to hear that part. Uh, but the rest of it's great too. Uh, we we absolutely go hard in the paint throughout, and there is really nothing off the table. And I think you guys will find this to be a really compelling interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Literary Lockdown. This is Clint Russell, and I am joined today by LP presidential candidate Michael Rechtenwald. Thank you for joining me, Doctor. Welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me, Clint. Great to be here. Absolutely, man. Um, did you get a chance to watch the GOP de debates? I, what, what I could stomach of it, yeah. I watched some, <laughs> some parts of it. I put the sound down after a while because it's, uh, it's intolerable, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I watched the whole thing because, you know, just for my show, I kind of feel obligated to stay on top of things, but sure. holy hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, my, my primary takeaway, um, see if you agree, I, I, had, I had a couple. First off, just such tremendously unimpressive people and such a bunch of fucking also rants that you're like, yeah. how are these people like getting repackaged and like reserved up? Like they're like, they're not even leftovers. Cause we've already, we've already like had them put on our plate and we've said, I'm not hungry. And they're like, are you sure you don't want more? And you're like, <laughs> I didn't want it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, did you feel like, that? yeah, I mean, <laughs> especially, I mean like Nikki Haley and, uh, oh. uh, Chris Christie, uh, Krispy Kreme and, uh, you know, uh, some of these other yahoos, I just, you know, they're just intolerable. Mike Pence, uh, oh man, just, he's just, first of all, the most scripted, uh, sanctimoniously scripted person in the world. I mean, I don't know where he gets his, uh, I don't know where he gets his style, uh, stylistic, uh, advice from, but he ought to fire them immediately. Although I think that, <laughs> I think it's become uh, so habitual with him that he can he couldn't change tunes now if no, he tried. No, uh, to me, uh, his retirement—he's uh, like a walking ED ad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like he, look, he looks like a guy. Anyways, um, yeah, I honestly like the only guy that I even like, and honestly, he's too—he's too, he's too pack, like packaged. Uh, yeah. He just comes off too uh, polished. Is Vivek? Vivek um, Ramaswamy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like he's got. He's got enough good things to say that, that I'm like, I still, I still like the guy, but it's just like the, I think, I think more than anything, what I want. And I think there's a lot of people in America, I can say broadly the American people, but I am just so sick and fucking tired of the, uh, just the polished politician. Shit. Yeah. Like I yeah, don't absolutely. buy it. 
At yeah, all. man, they're so like in the case of uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, so quaffed. Yeah. And uh, you oh, know, that hair last night was the hair. Oh, <laughs> looked like he had like a some some sort of animal rug on his head. Uh, it was really. But I met I met uh, Vivek. Uh, I spoke right before him at a Hillsdale College event. Mm, we had mm -hmm. we had this was long before he uh, announced his candidacy or before this whole race began. And you know, he's a nice enough guy, but he was like. What'd you talk about? The the theme of the whole event was the Great Reset. And he asked me what I talked about. I said, well, the Great Reset, of course. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, I thought I did a great job. But he got up there and he's, you know, extremely polished. But also, I have to say, like, milk toast, really, when it came down to it. In terms uh, of the actual content of what he yeah, had to Yeah, in say. terms of the actual content. Right. what he, And it was also a lot of hopium, yes. uh, I thought. Well, and I think that's kind of what his campaign is. I think that's the other thing that I feel disconnected about with the current political class is that they don't seem to reflect the dire nature of our circumstances right. the way the way I would like them to. And I know I know that's kind of been the historical politician thing to do. You have to paint this this rosy picture that you're yeah. I'm I'm going to lead us into this, you know, this new sunrise or whatever. Um and that's just not that's just not reality. And I think like yeah. anyone that's paying attention knows that it's not reality. Like we have rough days ahead of us. And I think what we need is an adult to tell the people what we're up against and why and how we might actually get through it eventually. Uh, but when, when he talks, it's just like, I'm just like, dude, you're spinning this way too positively. And, yeah. and that may work for the vast majority of voters. I don't know. Uh, but for me, it ain't flying. Yeah. When they, even when they come out, you know, I'm like, what are they smiling about really? What the hell is so good? They, exactly. what, what's the what's the good news that I'm missing here? Because as far as I'm concerned, we're looking at, you know, national uh, economic catastrophe, you know, political tyranny, uh, you know, uh, verging on complete totalitarianism. Uh, yep. We're looking at uh, the absolute disillusion of uh, of national sovereignty, which has problems, which poses real problems, even for libertarians, I would argue. And we're also looking at like a, uh, the erosion and total abrogation of our rights. So what's the what's this what's this smiling about? We're, yeah. And uh, you know whoever wishes from that party to take over the reins, I don't trust them at all because they're going to do the same sorts of things uh, they did, uh, you know, under COVID uh, with the Iraq right. War, etc. Yeah. All the all the things to get us here exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is why we so desperately need a, a third party and. Uh, obviously, you are running for that position, and I'm I'm thrilled that you have thrown your illustrious hat in the ring. Uh, we we nice. need we need someone who can actually speak to the circumstances that we're in. Uh, the entire time I'm watching the debates, I'm like, I'm like, if I was up there, I think what I would do is I would, you know, like they, they do look into the camera, and uh, normally if you break the fourth <laughs> wall, it's it's kind of corny, but like I yeah. would probably do that, and I just say, hey, could we like stop with the pleasantries and just level with i wouldn't say the american people because that's also too politician i just can we just level with people here like right this country is in rapid decline and it's because of many of the people that are standing to my left and right right now right you know like just hit them directly in the face and i like people just don't do it and i, I know i know it's like it's a small club and you can't you can't go that hard but like that's if you're if you're up there playing for keeps be real like that's what, what yeah. that's what that's what i mean even though trump still has his own kind of sticky delivery yeah he was still he was still willing to point out some things that 
the vast majority of the political class has just been unwilling to do. You know, even though yeah. he was full of shit to a large extent and he didn't get yeah. much done, right. at least he was like, yeah, the media lies to you all the time. All the know? time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, we're, 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 having, we're in a state of civilizational decadence and decline. Uh, and uh, all this can be attributed to, uh, to the political class and the economic elite, you know, especially the Fed and Wall Street. I mean, what they have done is destroyed time preference by throwing all this money out there. And effectively, look, now we have people looting things. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these videos circulating on X. Yeah, Philly. About Philly. I mean, these people just walking in and grabbing iPhones and uh, piles of clothes uh, and just, uh, you know, and largely they've been getting away with this. There was some police crackdown this time, but, uh, you know, this yeah, just was, shows that... you what, and uh, in a way they're just doing on a very small scale, what these, what these, what the state is doing, of course, on a massive, massive scale. Yes. So they have just, uh, they have given their approbation to theft. And now these people are thieving uh, on the, on the, uh, on the petty level. Uh, mm -hmm. The exact same way that the state is doing on a on a massive scale. Yeah, well said. And it's, you know, it's theft and lawlessness. It's like that's yeah. that's what our political class is. You know, yeah, they're, absolutely. They're robbing us blind, and no one no one ever holds them to account. And if they are held to account, it's just because they're you know the dissident wing of the political establishment, which isn't really on the side of the people either. They're just the ones that aren't in power currently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so frustrating about it. But it does put us in an interesting position because, like, as much as I want this entire thing to crumble because it is so deeply corrupt and immoral. Mm -hmm. it's st I still have pause you know I still have concerns about like what does it look like if they remove like if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee and they remove him from the ballot in three key states and then yeah. the the Republican voters realize that democracy is done yeah like, how do they react and what does that mean for our country uh, do you do you give that any thought yeah that that particularly I mean I've given more thought to the idea of what what happens if uh when I should say, you know, the whole economic edifice crumbles, you know, uh, mm. you can't go on, uh, I think about money. That a lot too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, you know, my, my, uh, concern has been basically how do, how do we withstand it? How do we bolster ourselves against this? Sure. And, uh, the, the way that I think is that, you know, effectively it's, it's local, uh, you have to get local control and power and we need uh, parallel currencies in place because, the dollar's worth is is rapidly dwindling, so we need other currencies. We need uh, parallel economic structures, parallel political structures, parallel social structures, mm -hmm. and like a parallel civilization, because this civilization is 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 frigging crumbling. Yes, uh, and so uh, we have to be at least the remnant that mm -hmm. passes on to the future uh, a legacy. Of, of liberty and individual rights, property rights, and uh, some sort of cultural, uh, cultural, uh, you know, integrity that, uh, that, that our children and grandchildren or whatever, whoever, uh, you know, the, the descendants, the, the posterity can our, live our progeny. in. Yeah. Our, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think, well, I, I, because this is your area of expertise amongst many, um, I think it's worth talking about the kind of the global 
takeover or the globalist takeover of our yeah. system. Um, yeah, I think this has been one one area or one topic that even libertarians are divided on. You yeah, know, I see that. There's like there's the you and I camp that that has really spent a lot of time digging into the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab stuff, the ESG stuff, the DEI stuff, like really understanding the United Nations and how they've had an influence and an impact in policymaking. Um, and then there's the libertarians that are just like, well, government's corrupt and it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, no, 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 no. This is like, this is next level folks. And yes, I, yes, it is. It's, it's hard. It's hard to express without sounding like a crazy person. I like you, tend, <laughs> you, you tend to do a good job at it. So, uh, I don't take it wherever you like. Oh yeah. I mean, look, we're looking at a globalist, uh, hegemon that's trying to basically, to abolish the, the national state, and, and there's reasons why that's a big problem, and abolish basically regionality, utterly get rid of local uh, differentiation. Uh, they're looking to uh, impose like a global governance. They say this straight up, uh, using corporations in public-private uh, partnerships, so-called, uh, and then governing us uh, with digital governance, as they call it, that's their word. Uh, and, uh, you know, also they want to reset the economy to this lower, reduced expectations, way lower expectations. Mm -hmm. They've been after the, the consumption and, and actual literal reproduction uh, of the Western world for decades. Okay. And uh, Agenda 2030 of the UN uh, is the basis of this great reset project. Uh, it is a. Uh, it was initiated after a partnership was founded between the World Economic Forum and the United Nations to mm -hmm. usher in Agenda 2030. And Agenda 2030 is about controlling all aspects of life, uh, including uh, planet all planetary life, not just human life. They want to control and label and infor uh, informationalize, datafy, whatever you want to call it, all people and all things, and have a complete registry of all activity including your every move and possibly even your thoughts uh, because they talk about brain cloud interfacing and other things. We're, t we're talking about a, a massive global system they're trying to erect, okay? Now, some, some very naive people will say, whoa, isn't it better if we have a global state because then we only have one government to get rid of. <laughs> As I discussed today with Michael Rechtenwald, the economy is kind of a disaster. Don't know if you noticed. Yeah, you probably have. Well, if you're sick of the stock market volatility, much less your lifestyle volatility, UBS shows that private assets like fine art can help diversify with a low correlation to stocks. Bloomberg reports art prices have increased in 2022 with the highest total sales ever for major auction houses. In 2023, the art market has passed its pre-pandemic level. And tens of thousands of everyday investors already use today's sponsor, which is Masterworks, to invest in art. You don't need millions or art expertise. Every Masterworks sale to date has delivered a positive return to their investors, including annualized net returns of 10, 17, and even 35% all this year alone. Masterworks' most recent exit was just days ago at the end of August for a double-digit 13.4% annualized net return. My listeners get special access to skip the waitlist, all you have to do is go to masterworks.art slash lockdown to check it out. Again, that's masterworks.art slash lockdown. 
Past performance does not guarantee future returns. Any investing involves risks, including loss of principal. See important disclosures at massworks.com slash CD. That's masterworks.art slash lockdown. If you want to check it out to diversify your portfolio further, again, masterworks.art slash lockdown. And <laughs> I haven't heard that. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this is so hideous, but they don't understand, I guess, that, you know, I think it's Hoppe who said, you know, as many. Lich, uh, oh, 10,000 Lichtensteins. Lichtensteins, right? Yeah. 10,000 Lichtensteins uh, is better than one global. The smaller the state, the better. The more of them, the better until we dis you know, dissolve them all because right. there's no escape from a global governance system. No. There's no outside of the system. So that's the very definition of totalitarianism. Yeah, well, not without, not without tremendous violence. That's right. Uh, yeah. It would be very difficult because you have no alternatives in this life, you know, to uh, to uh, escape to, you know, well, you I, don't have, and that, think... that makes the system more repressive and more taxation, more taxation and more oppression, because when they have a, a captive audience that has no choice, then they can impose greater and greater restrictions and and uh, uh, and repression and uh, taxation and uh, just the What's whole it? nine yards of statist, uh, uh, statist activity, statist. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's the exact same concept as a monopoly versus competition. Like, exactly. Like, do you want to have a, like the state already has a monopoly on violence. Do you want to have one state with one monopoly on violence? Like, yeah. Fuck no, bro. A world. <laughs> yeah. This is what, uh, King Camp Gillette, the, uh, corporate socialists of the early 19th century who founded the Gillette Razor, Razor Company, he called it world corporation. Mm. And we, you'd mm. have one monopoly, uh, both a global corporate monopoly, but it also would be synonymous with the state. And that would, there would be one world corporation, as he put it. That was exactly the title of his book. But that's, yeah. I'm not saying that, that they're, they're using uh, that as a blueprint, but I'm just saying that's the upshot of this tendency. Well, I think this is one area that even though some people have given you a hard time about having come from the left yeah. into libertarianism, I think this is actually a tremendous strength of yours. And I'm not just spinning this positively uh, yeah. because I like you. I, I think this is an, a genuine strength of yours that you can actually identify the, the corporate involvement with this globalist takeover better than many libertarians that have, you know, never, looked at from the left at all. Um, and yeah. you, you know, even though I never was on the left, I, I have that skill set as well because I was a entrepreneur and I, and I yeah. worked in lending and I, I understand, you know, interest rate setting and the kind of the, the monopolistic control that they have over interest rates and the money supply and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so I think both of us were able to kind of identify this from our own different angles, but you seem to have come to the same conclusion. I find that fascinating. Do you think that that played a role in your uh, ability to grasp this as quickly as you did? Yeah, I think so. I think because I was a Marxist and, I, uh, and uh, you know, that saw, uh, you know, I was a Marxist who believed in the withering away of the state, you know, although, mm -hmm. and which never comes. Of course, it's the exact opposite. But then having had that uh, insider Marxist view, I was able when I got out of it to see that, look, uh, this is, you know, what is socialism if not a monopoly system? Not only a political monopoly, of, uh, monopoly over force, but also a monopoly over production. Mm -hmm. And uh, so 
uh, I, I'm able to see the, the relationship between corporate monopoly and socialism. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're tending towards socialism because as it tends towards monopolization, we tend towards socialism. And I call it corporate socialism when you have corporations in these monopolistic positions in collusion with the state and everybody else living, which, uh, you know, what I, what I call under actually existing socialism, uh, that is corporate socialism. And that's the tendency towards which we're going. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, corporate socialism, uh, in, in many ways, it's fascistic in its, yes. uh, in its implementation. It's Everybody very... will say that. It's we'll just call it fascism. Well, okay, yeah, that's a good point. It is fascism, but we need to reason why we need to deal with the actual language that they're using mm-hmm. is to show how stakeholder capitalism is fascism, but uh, under a new name, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not enough to point out that Klaus Schwab's uh, father, for example, was a Nazi collaborator uh, producing, uh, I don't know exactly, I think it was heavy water for nuclear reactors for the Nazi regime. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I don't Christia believe... Freeland in Canada, her, her father or grandfather was... <laughs> and she's a serious tyrant, you know. I know. I mean, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess, huh? And she's the one that uh, came down on the truckers' convoy protest. Yep. She's, she's the one that implemented freezing the bank accounts and laughed Bingo. about it. Well, this, uh, this, is, this is why I think it's so remarkable or, you know, important and poignant that they gave a standing fucking ovation to a former, you know, SS guy. Was, I mean, it's, it's in our, from our standpoint, it's po- perfect poetic justice that they fell into this trap. Indeed. Because, you know, this is where they are. And Christian, Christian Freeland, by the way, is a, uh, was a young global leader in the world mm-hmm. economic forum. So this just shows you yeah, these globalists. Okay. They, they wouldn't have a foothold if it weren't for the state and the states that they penetrate. But, yeah. They nevertheless have a va- they have a great influence over the behavior of these states, and that's what's going on. Uh, and that's important to point out. I don't think that we can. I think we ignore this global imp- uh, globalist uh, um, imperative that they're under uh, at our peril. Frankly, I I couldn't agree more. I think I honestly think it may be the biggest threat we face. You know, like the it, because it's done under the you know cloak of darkness like mm-hmm. most people are completely oblivious to what we're talking about right now which is why i was so excited for this conversation because it's like as i've said you you're able to convey it in a way that doesn't come off quite as conspiratorial as i do because i get my alex jones rant <laughs> kind of look like i've lost my mind but i've studied this stuff enough to know that i'm like i'm not crazy like this is right. actually happening you have you have people that are being implanted into the highest level of government in multiple nations all over the world, they all march in lockstep. They all use the same catchphrases. They all mm-hmm. implement the same exact plans. Policies, like, yeah. It's not. It's not coincidental, folks. Like this is it's actually not, it's happening. Not, it's not coincidental. And I, you know, this goes to the, you know, and I don't know if I should open this can of worms because we talked about this uh, on the it, X Michael. space. What's that? <laughs> open it, Michael. All Feel right. You know, we talked about the issue on the X space. Uh, with Josie, uh, and uh, you you said that my position, what you know, couldn't have been clear about immigration and what how that feeds into the globalist agenda. Mm. Okay, so uh, they you know they want to erode national uh, borders and they want to erode national sovereignty, and this is 
why you see this outrageous, I think, outrageous influx of immigrants, uninvited, unvetted, uh, a lot of them child traffickers and drug peddlers. Uh, I think this is a very significant problem, and we need, yes, a principled position with reference to it, and I think we have one. It's not that hard to understand, you know, that is public property is basically stolen property. It's the it's not the state's property. It's it's the citizens' property, uh, or those who paid federal taxes, and that is their property. So uninvited immigration is a infringement of, of the uh, non-aggression principle. It's that simple. I, I completely agree, and I think that in terms of an answer, it's fairly straightforward too. That we will, if you want to sponsor. Uh, an immigrant and and make sure that they have uh, you know no access to the social safety net. Obviously, our answer would be to abolish the social safety net. But in terms of an yes. interim interim solution, would be okay. Well, if you want to bring in your relative or whatever, and yes. they're coming here to work, well, then you can sponsor them. But if That's they fall on hard right. times, it's your it's your bill to pay, brother. Yeah, ideally, we live in a totally private property society where the only borders are the borders around property. But we don't live in that world. We live in a, in a statist world under which there is so-called public property, a real misnomer if there ever was one, uh, and uh, <laughs> leading to all kinds of uh, crazy uh, ambiguity and, uh, you know, poses a real conundrum, especially to the libertarian. But I think it's it's easily uh, dealt with. I, I agree. And it's it's sad that, you know, we're so divided on this topic because, yeah. you know, I think I think oftentimes, um, you know, the people that are the open borders libertarians, they hear us talk about this and they think there's a level of callousness to it. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, I just want to emphasize them like that's the same exact mindset that people have when it comes to our support for capitalism and property rights is that we're callous. We don't care yeah. about the poor. It's like, right. no, you you already understand the reason we believe in capitalism is because we believe that's the best thing for the poor. It, it <laughs> like, increases social welfare overall more than anything else. I mean, exactly. this has been demonstrated. And, and it's the same, but it's the same thing with this immigration issue. It's like, like, is it is it a net benefit for some of these immigrants that get across the border? No, of course, no. Yeah, of in course, a way, of there's some of benefits, course. but there's some real. I mean, you got people in cages. Uh, right. So, you know, you got people laying on the street. I mean, maybe that is preferable to what, what they had. Well, but, for some of them, it is. For some yeah. of them, it's not. It, but, yeah. but my point is, like, as you said, because the, the public land is really owned in, in, in as close as it can be to the citizens that are paying taxes here. Well, then their say matters. And, it does and matter. You're, and you're just never going to have a, a majority support in, in a Democrat system or democratically, you know, functioning system to to have open borders like this is just not it's not tenable to the american people and and to dismiss their concerns is crazy and also might i add i think their concerns are well founded like if you have three to four million people coming across undocumented most of them you know fighting age men that don't mm -hmm. speak the language that have totally different cultural uh perspectives it's going to create such a dislocation in this country that we may not be able to recover. Like we could yeah. actually have real civil strife and conflict if you allow this to persist. And I, and it looks as if, uh, you know, without some major turning around of the Titanic, like it's going to get to that point. And that's, yeah, that's why I'm concerned about it. I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it leaves the cultural clashes, uh, it, it is going to, you know, it's going to be the idea these people are going to suggest that this is theirs, you know? And, uh, 
Yep. And they're going to act as if it's theirs. And, and then they're going to start making demands and they're not going to be met. And then there's going to be clashes in the streets. Yeah. Um, well, and, and to a certain extent, we're already seeing that. We're already seeing clashes in the streets. We saw it, uh, you know, very, very aggressively in 2020. I'm not saying that's necessarily an immigration issue so much, but uh, I think you will see it in the future. You've you've already seen cities that are popping up that are, are being sold off without, uh, you know, documentation uh, to undocumented immigrants and and they're creating their own little you know little mexico or whatever you want to call it most of them aren't even from mexico at this point but right um i just think that it's it's a real dead end outlook given the circumstances of our current empire decline to go yes to go yeah like the empire is declining let's let you know immigrants from the third world all flood into the country by the five fives to tens of millions annually and just see how it works out like, yeah like yeah it just seems suicidal yeah and uh you know we're promoting it through you know complete oh, many many ways yeah many ways yeah so yeah i think that's a that issue for libertarians and it also i should add and i think we already mentioned this in a way it feeds right into the globalist agenda entirely yeah i mean it's it's just quite evident to me too you know tucker carlson's gotten a lot of trouble for you know mentioning the great replacement theory but um yeah. let's just be honest like there there are people that in in the globalist worldview the world economic forum united nations worldview yeah like the, it, and just to prove my case that this is not like conspiracy theorizing like this is real all you have to do is look at all of the other countries that are, have leaders of the same ilk they're all mm -hmm. doing the same thing. They're yeah, all, all doing lip, the same thing. They're all giving lip service to, to you know, border control while they, they leave their borders wide open. And they just are flooded with people that ultimately they believe will vote for, for them. more more and more socialist policies. So more and more statism, more, more and more socialist policies, yeah. more and more wealth redistribution. And, you know, the exacerbation of the very problems that led us to this global, this, to this decline, to this... Yeah. Uh, decline of the uh, uh, civilization, really. So a couple months ago, I moved apartment units or condo units. And because of that, I didn't get the invoice for my health insurance company mailed to me. Just didn't get it. So I didn't pay it. And then I, I had a health event where I had to go to the doctor and I didn't have insurance. And I ended up having to pay out of pocket. Basically, what I'm saying is the health insurance industry is a disaster. It's broken. Premiums are increasing, deductibles are getting larger, and claims denials are becoming more and more common. The headache of health insurance is exactly why CrowdHealth was created. It's not health insurance, it's a better way to pay for healthcare through crowdfunding. CrowdHealth gives their members the freedom to efficiently and affordably break free from the antiquated insurance system and into a healthcare option that fits your needs. Health insurance processes can be confusing, they can leave you feeling taken advantage of. That's why you should transition to CrowdHealth so that you can do things differently, do things at your speed, and also create the community that's looking after each other. I love the idea, and that's why I took them on as a sponsor. The insurance companies don't give you the peace of mind you need. CrowdHealth does. That's why your $50 a month membership includes the tools and services you need to get the highest quality healthcare. You'll get access to telemedicine visits, discounted prescriptions, and so much more without doctors, networks, messing things up. Plus, you'll have access to your own personal care advocate who will help you navigate the complexities of health events and even negotiate bills on your behalf. And of course, you'll join the crowd. 
a group of members just like you who want to help pay for each other's unexpected medical events. It's time you opt out of restrictive health insurance plans and let CrowdHealth help fit your healthcare needs. Get started today for just $50 per month. Use code LOCKDOWN to get healthcare you deserve. CrowdHealth is not insurance. Learn more at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. And as a Californian, I, I feel like maybe I understand this differently than some libertarians because, like, just to oh, clear the clear the table here, I love Mexicans. I think they're yeah. some of the I think they're some of the greatest people. I love, I, I, I love me I, a Mexican. <laughs> I was I was friends with tons of illegal immigrants. I was also in a construction field, so I I worked with a ton of illegal immigrants. They were awesome people. Like I'm not. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. not about who they are as people. No, it's not but, about ethnicity or anything like no, that. No, it's it's really not. But the truth is that they did come in and they did find ways to start to vote. Uh, largely Democrat and California, because the Democrats are truly socialists at this point, and even if they weren't voting for the Democrats because they're socialists, but rather because they were the ones that were more friendly linguistically when it came to immigration, yeah, it doesn't matter why they did it. The truth is that it ruined fucking California. California yeah. is a disaster because of totally this policy. Um, yeah, I and, mean, if these and, people want to... That's the destiny for the rest of the country if we head down this path. That's all I'm saying. If these people want a virtue signal, do it with your own property, not mine. Exactly. I, I saw I saw Nick Gillespie. Uh, I think he's still with Reason. I'm not sure. Um, and and he was just saying, when I see these kids, uh, you know, crawling through barbed wire, it just breaks my heart. It reminds me of my great great grandfather. You know, <laughs> the Irish immigrants that are fleeing to this and that. And I'm like, look, my heart breaks for people that are that are ever having to flee their homeland. But the truth is, we're on the cusp of having to flee ours. Like, mm-hmm. do, do people know mm-hmm. that? <laughs> like. I, yeah, no and kidding. I, do they know that? Do you think Nick Gillespie understands how close we are to the press? Because I don't think so. I don't think these people realize. Um, see, because of their worldview, they're seeing the things that we see as desperate and horrifying and, uh, you know, utterly threatening. They see these as good. I mean, it, it's unbelievable that's, that they are looking that's at. That's hard to wrap my head around. Yeah, I mean, they hate capitalism that much, really. There's this underlying unconscious Marxism. I, I talk about this occasionally that I think people have absorbed unbeknownst to them. It's kind of an osmosis that has permeated the culture. Uh, and they think in these Marxist terms without knowing it. They don't, they're not avowed Marxists, all of these people, of course. But they have absorbed these unconscious ideas of, of Marxism. And mm-hmm. likewise, they, they really celebrate the, 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 the the demise of capitalism and they they celebrate the demise of uh you know the middle class because they hate them uh they hate they hate you know what i call aspiring and and middle class people not necessarily all middle class but people that are aspiring to a decent standard of living under circumstances that are almost utterly impossible they hate those people hmm. yeah it does seem that there is uh, a real elitist worldview for some people now. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, when they refer to it as flyover country and things like that, you're like, oh, I know who yeah. you are now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I know that. Um, yeah, it, that, that's it, why, and I, I just want to address this straight up. Sure. That's why whenever Hillary Clinton called the Trump uh, people a basket of deplorables, that's why I, I, put, I opened that Twitter account, the original Twitter account, the infamous Twitter account, anti-PC NYU prof, and called myself the deplorable NYU prof because 
I identified, you know, I, first of all, it was out of spite towards these elitists right. and in, in, uh, in, in sympathy with the people that are being treated and, uh, and, uh, you know, being disliked this as, you know, these, this basket of deplorables, all the people that are basically struggling to make a living in the middle States and elsewhere, uh, as some sort of, uh, a plague on us, you know, I, I just said, oh, I'm going to identify with them, not with Trump per se, with those people. That's why I did it. You know, you know what I, I've, I've been thinking about over the past week or two, the same, the same reaction you had to that is the same reaction I had when I saw like the black community being kind of dehumanized when I was growing up, like mm -hmm. in the, like in the early nineties when like, uh, this is probably controversial and maybe it'll get us both in trouble, but fuck it. Let's do it anyways. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like when all of the, uh, you know, cultural leaders for the black community to a large extent, you know, not all, but many were, you know, gangbangers and people that were like, um, you know, just really showing kind of the seedy side of life. Not, mm -hmm. not, not good influences, I would say kind of like right. the Andrew Tate of <laughs> today where, or they, they may have some good messages, but for the most part, you know, I don't know if they're like a net positive. It's it's questionable. But uh, more than that, what I see is I saw the persecution of the black community to a large extent over the rest of uh, America. Yeah. And I and I thought it was wrong. I thought that right. like when the drug they were war and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying there's like this vast systemic racism, but I'm just saying like. There was definitely you had politicians that were talking about it was Joe Biden was talking about yeah it, Joe Biden the, the uh, whatever jungle he called it um, he called it yeah I think concrete jungle or something like that yeah yeah something something and you're just like geez man I don't know this is this is pretty uh, pretty aggro but I feel um, the reason I have more kinship today and by the way I I loved rap music and I, <laughs> I was the biggest NBA <laughs> fan and I just loved black culture like that was my thing when I was growing up. Yeah. And and now as an adult, what I've seen is it has been inverted. And I think people will struggle to follow me on this. And I hope you can see what I'm seeing. But if you can't, that's fine, too, um, is that I see the same persecution that came for the black community is now coming for the Trump supporters. You oh, know? yeah. Like that, oh. That's what I see. I see injustice and it bothers me whenever I see. It. Yeah, and that's not, right. Me, you know? too. It bothers me a great deal. Um you know, when I see the, you know, I got to be, I'm going to be straight up. Look, these January 6th protesters thrown in prison for 17, 15 years, you know, uh, and two, uh, two decades for one of the guys that wasn't even fucking there that day. It wasn't even there. I mean, that is the state that is the regime in action. Okay. So I oppose it and it's morally and reprehensible. Yeah. Uh, so look, if we're going to be real about what's going on, we got to notice these things. And uh, we, we have to speak out against them and we have to oppose them. Uh, you know, even the treatment of Trump, you know, regardless of the fact that he's, you know, able to stand all this, I think it's an outrage. Uh, this is, agreed. you know, this is, this is signs of totalitarianism, whether you like Trump or not. And if you can't get past that to see this, then you're missing a big part of the picture. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, that, that's been my point all along. And I, and I've been beating this drum for a long time about January 6th is like, like, look, I wouldn't have done it. I certainly right. wouldn't have. I, I certainly wouldn't have done it for Trump. Like, I right. think that's ridiculous. But, but like, what I see in that is horrific. The treatment yeah. that they're receiving is as un-American as it gets. It is. It is Patriot Act 
level domestic war on terror stuff. That's what we're yeah, witnessing what in real is. time. And people and people are just fucking totally uh, either oblivious to it or they just go like, I don't like those people, so I don't care what happens to them. I know. But you're it's... next, buddy. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Do you understand Absolutely. what this precedent means? And and I think yeah. I think it's really important that people try try to even though we live in the most partisan time in my lifetime by a large margin try to drop the partisanship and understand that like the enemy is still the state and the state is growing exponentially and if you if you utilize it to go after your enemies it's it's only it's a ticking time bomb that you're setting it's, off it's and only I, increasing crazy. the power of the state and making it more totalitarian let me i will add this as a um, sort of uh you know uh kind of a, I don't know what, forget it. You, <laughs> but I, I'm also appalled that Trump, frankly, has not come to the defense of these people in some way, uh, either rhetorically or financially, nothing. I mean, as far as I can tell, he's done nothing about this. Yeah, so well, I, I, I pointed this out to Jacob Chansley, the, uh, the uh, QAnon shaman you know the guy with the horns on January 6th yeah i had him i had him on my show a month ago and i and i said the same thing that you just did and he said you know i think that if trump were to speak out on our behalf it would have been worse for us and i mm. was like I yeah, was that's like, possible i was like damn it that's a really good point that's a you good know? point actually yeah but that's but, probably right but i don't think that's why trump's doing it mm -mm. <laughs> i think i think trump is extraordinarily self-interested and he doesn't really much care about his supporters even though he gives great lip service to that um, but I'll, you know, I just wanted to add that into the mix of like, no, that, no, that's, this, a, that's this, actually a good point. If he gave his rhetorical or, or financial support, they would come, they possibly would come down even harder on these people. If that's possible, right. maybe which, life sentences, who knows? Yeah. Which uh, I mean, or, they've already come down on them incredibly hard. So it's hard to imagine that, but I wouldn't uh, be surprised if they, if, you know, if they would have called for their execution, frankly, uh, I mean, it nothing, seems like we're I, getting close to that really. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't put anything past this uh, regime. And, uh, and you had you had Mike Pence on the debate stage last night calling for expedited death penalties, and and I'm just like, man, like, do you understand what like where we're at? Like, it, it, he, <laughs> I mean, I, granted, he's he's clearly you know deep deep in the regime, so he's yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah. But like, but like for anyone in that audience to not immediately recognize how perilous that is like yeah. if you were to have expedited death penalties for anything in this country especially the gop voters that are sitting there yeah. right now right like have you guys lost the plot it, it, entirely like yeah it's, it's your neck on the line yeah man i mean they took the patriot act and used it against domestic terrorists so-called and uh you know it's these poor people were duped into supporting what is effectively being used against them now Exactly. What a shame. I mean, it's a travesty, but I still feel sympathy for them, despite their having been duped. Uh, right. You know, just because they're dupes doesn't mean the state is right, you yeah. know? It, well, exactly. And, I mean, speaking of having sympathy for dupes, uh, the, the COVID era is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. recent memory. I was actually, uh, this morning, I was listening to Sam Harris, which I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously a glutton for punishment. That I, yeah, I would really. Ever, I can't stand that guy. I gotta be frank. <laughs> that I would ever submit myself to listening to him. But it was his reflections on the COVID era. So I was like, I gotta hear this because he's been getting dragged just mercilessly because he continues to try and reframe it as I was right because I was functioning off of the best expert knowledge at the time. So it doesn't matter that I was wrong in hindsight because I was right in the moment. It's like, it's the, it's the craziest mental gymnastics, but I think there are 
like the reason I thought this was would be an interesting topic for us to discuss is there are tens and tens of millions of people in America that are doing the exact same thing that Sam Harris is doing. Yeah. Um, and I and I feel like even though it's highly unlikely we can ever really unify as a people again, mm -hmm. I still think it would be nice if we could have some sort of coming together in terms of forgiveness and understanding about what happened during the COVID era, because otherwise it could get very violent in the not too distant future. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts as to like how, I guess I'll, I'll ask you, how are you handling, uh, you know, personal relationships that may have uh, been destroyed during that era? Cause I had plenty. <laughs> oh, I had, uh, you know, I had some issues, especially with my daughter, actually. Mm. Uh, my sons are all completely, you know, I don't know what red pilled, uh, <laughs> based in red pilled. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, they didn't buy it at all. Uh, my, well, my son at first said, you know, I said to him, I'm not worried when this thing first became a so-called pandemic. I said, I'm not worried about this virus, man. What I'm worried about is what the state's going to do to us. Right. And, Same. uh, I wrote this in a, uh, an essay. It's in this book called, uh, uh, COVID canaries or something like that i can't remember the title <laughs> but anyway uh yeah i said the state's gonna come after us man this is really bad uh, and he goes oh no the state's our only hope i go oh no it isn't man you're gonna see this <laughs> anyway he came around very shortly thereafter and he's very well apprised of all this i oh, think it, in the case of harris and people like that see they they always talk about skepticism and science and how you have to have a skeptical a reasonable skepticism, as uh, Richard Lewontin put it. Uh, so I, you know, I think these people just don't have a, re a reasonable skepticism where where the authorities are concerned. That's the yes. reason they fell for this stuff. Yep. They just don't have enough skepticism with reference to the the establishment, and so that's his failing. Uh, you know, and the failing of millions, uh, like you said, or tens of millions of people. Uh, and I just saw somebody today wearing a mask in his car by himself. Uh, and, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking these people, I don't want to say this, but they are in a way my enemy because they are foot soldiers for the regime. And they will turn on you in a dime, on a dime. And, Mo and most of them have. <laughs> and they'll come after you. Yeah, uh, I, they're they're, they're, they're basically, what's that? I don't think you're overstating it either. I mean, the, the many of these people did turn on us during yeah. those years, uh, you know, particularly as an unvaccinated person. I was like, I was like, this is crazy. Like these people are genuinely out of their minds and they're and they're 100 percent convinced that they're that they are in the moral right, which is the most dangerously delusional people when they mm -hmm. have zero doubt in their, uh, you know, their belief system, even though right. they're dead wrong. It's like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, oh and they God. called for people to not get medical care if they weren't vaccinated. Let them die. Uh, so, I mean, the, these people the, it, was a, it was almost it was almost forty percent of Democrats at the height of the pandemic, uh, right after the vaccines got rolled out, that that were okay with their the children being taken away from their parents if they refused. Do you know yeah. how crazy it is? Like forty percent almost. Like, what are we talking about? This is yeah. these are the people that, that we live amongst. Like, yeah, let's speak, speaking of the state, these people are agents of the state. Yeah. They are state agents. Uh, they are apparatuses of the state. They are part of what I call governmentalities. That is, they are extensions of state power, and they are there to enforce state narratives and state imperatives. And they're dangerous. Uh, they can't not be trusted. 
Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say that, up, you know, despite what this might mean uh, politically, although, you know, I, I, it's real hard for me to think like what's don't, don't, done. Yeah, I, I just don't. can't think like that. Just, just tell the gonna, truth, brother. It's yeah. like, let the chips fall where they may. Like, yeah. like what I, what we open this up with. People want to hear the truth. They right. don't like even if even if they disagree, they want to know you're telling the truth. Tell the fucking truth. I yeah, love man. it. I, I find these people to be dangerous and uh, state agents and my enemy in effect. Yeah. Uh, because they'll come after you. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to say because uh, you know I agree with you, but it's like. I still have sympathy for them, even though oh, they, yeah. have, they have none for us. You know, how, like how crazy it is that like, I, I still like, and, and I think it's maybe it's because like I know some of them well, and I'm like, mm -hmm. these are people I loved. You know, like yeah. I loved them. I have relatives that are com completely out of their minds with this stuff. Um, so I I still can maintain some sort of compassion for them. Yeah, but, I, but I, at the same time, I do fear them. Like I yes, I, I do I do know fear. what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. It's uh, they it's, are it's, to be feared. It's a wild time, it's you a know. Wild time. Uh, but most of my family, except for my daughter, and you know, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about any of this stuff. And uh, interestingly enough, when my can't, she's a psychotherapist, um, which makes her somewhat dangerous. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, when I told the family about you know my candidacy. And she she was concerned, you know, not, not we. She didn't get into my politics at all. She didn't make that an issue. Mm -hmm. She was just worried about me. And uh, I I appreciate that. I just want to put that out there that uh, she was concerned about me and withstanding the kind of uh, you know attacks you get no matter what. And right. uh, you know, so I I got to say that you know we have I haven't lost relationships over COVID to be honest. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. I and you know most of mine have been retrieved i think as Good. as people realize that that uh you know much of the fear-mongering that they were receiving was misplaced uh i still am yet to receive a single apology mm -hmm. <laughs> which is very frustrating because i'm just like i'm like could you just apologize you know like we didn't we didn't get to see each other at holidays for two years like yeah really like nothing yep. you don't have any reflection on this but this is why yeah. i know sam harris is not alone in his delusion like there is a yeah. lot of yeah. mental gymnastics that are happening to try and make people feel okay about it and you know i want to move past it as much as anybody else like i really right. do but it, it at the same time it's really uh i think it would be a really bad move to forget what happened and forget and like and and like what these what these people are capable of yeah i mean so. You know, forgiveness and forgetting are different things, but exactly. I'll say this. I, I do have somebody I lost to this in a way. My mother was in a home, you know, oh, like a uh, nursing home during this uh, whole thing. And I couldn't see her for two whole years. And then they we were finally able to see her, but outdoors and social distanced. Wow. And then she died. Okay. Oh, so uh, that pisses me off to no end. Uh, I lost my mother without being able to be with her for the last two years of her life. And I think the lockdowns and the isolation, uh, you know, definitely Decreased exacerbated her, her yeah. breakdown and eventual demise. Because, you know, my family, my, her on her side particularly, her aunts lived to their, in their, into their hundreds, you know. Mm -hmm. So they had a lot of longevity and genetically. And, uh, and she died at 97 and going on 98. So I think she could have lasted much longer. Yeah, you're probably right. And 
Unfortunately, I had to end the episode right there, and you can guess why. Uh, we go into all of the past three years in detail. Ukraine, the coof, the whole thing. <laughs> and we do not hold back, and uh, some would say we get into Alex Jones' territory, but it's all provable, so, you know, if you want to hear the unvarnished, unfiltered truth, go to libertylockdown.locals.com, and you can watch that missing half an hour segment I apologize. I got to do what I got to do. I still tell the truth all the time, but sometimes I got to move platforms to do so. It's the way it works. Last but not least, I want to mention that uh, we did an incredible, incredible interview with Sargon of Akkad, a.k.a. Carl Benjamin, over on my show with Luke Rudkowski, which we still don't have a name for. If you got any name ideas, feel free to send them my way. We're, uh, we're betting around a few, but we can't come to a conclusion yet. We're three episodes deep. We've done... Like a half a million views between those three episodes. Crazy. Crazy. This show is popping right now. So uh, I hope you guys will check it out. And uh, at, as of now, you can see it over at the We Are Change. All one word. Either YouTube or Rumble channel. If you want to see the uh, the full version, totally uncensored and crazy, it's over on Rumble. Again, that's the We Are Change channel. Enjoy. You know, I, I've told this story on the show before. My stepdad had a heart attack. Um a few months after mm. getting the thing and uh mm. yeah i'm i'm pretty radicalized i'll just leave yeah, it at man. that yeah <laughs> uh he's he's still he's still with me thank god but um you know he's very very healthy guy good, and good. uh and it's just it's just uh you know correlation causation you'd probably never be able to prove it but my god am i furious about it anyways uh i think this is a perfect transition into what you think about uh you know i I am personally in the Nuremberg 2.0, you know, Mm. round them all up, investigate, prosecute. Uh, Like, I just think that if that doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. we are doomed to have this happen again under the Mm -hmm. pretense of climate change or whatever else, whatever new, you know, lie they throw at us. Right. Um, Where are you at with, you know, Fauci investigation? There's lots of recent information about his, he sat in with the CIA and and guided them on terms of suppressing the lab leak theory. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, where are you at? Well, I mean, first of all, we can't let this happen again. So that's the main thing right now is refusing all COVID and other so-called emergency mandates. But we must have an investigation uh, into these agencies, peoples, and corporations that were involved in formulating this outrageous policies of uh, social distancing, masking, lockdowns, and uh, forced vaccinations. This has to this has to happen, and I believe that we need to get uh, this on the table. We need to find uh, you know find out what these people did in full, you know. And I think in the case of Fauci, <laughs> how could you have the guy who actually was partially responsible for the production of the actual virus leading the response to the virus? This is just an outrage. I mean, the guy's well, crimi- He's criminal. First of all, he was criminal. As, uh, you know, RFK's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, pointed out, I mean, he, he's been a criminal uh, on a mass scale for decades, yeah. you know. Four, four decades. <laughs> yeah, for four decades. Yeah, that's right. It's, you know, uh, it's remarkable. He's, I mean, now you know why Biden likes him so much. <laughs> this is what, and this guy just, you know, like all these members of the regime, they fail upward and, and commit crimes and get promoted. Uh, this is just typical, you know, it's like the most uh, bizarre inversion of reality and justice that you can imagine. That's what's going on. It's yeah. a, in every sphere. 
But in this particular sphere, you know, this guy deserves to be put on trial. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, with a full invest criminal investigation into what he's done, including his role in producing this virus in the first place, which they keep saying the next one will be zoonomic, that it'll, you know, this is the biggest lie. These were not zoonomic. These were produced, manufactured, and they're still doing it. This has got to stop. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I think the virus was made for the vaccine, frankly, not the other way around. Uh, you know, in other words, this thing was produced in order to have a vaccine that would be sold and marketed worldwide. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's all inverted. You know, the fact that they keep producing these things and Echo Health Alliance would be another uh, organization and all their principals and uh, workers who participated in this also should be put on trial. Well, P Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance, and I, I would take it all the way back to the domestic uh, home front with uh, with Ralph Barrick and UNC Chapel Hill. UNC. And yeah. interestingly, I just uh, was asked to comment on um, for uh, Children's De uh, Health Defense website, you know, the, the RFK. I, I, I constantly am asked to comment on stuff for them and other sources, but... Uh, they asked, you know, UN, they're now developing this system where of surveillance. Uh, they're rolling out from the CDC. It's called the CFA. And don't ask me what that acronym stands for exactly, but it's a wide surveillance system to monitor the population uh, and their behaviors and speech and everything <laughs> in order to, you know, gauge the, the, the state of a, a pandemic or other health emergency. And UNC is one of the prime beneficiaries of this new surveillance system that's being rolled out. They're, they're getting what a five, weird coincidence. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? And so is <laughs> Johns Hopkins University. And of course, Johns Hopkins was the site, uh, the, the Center for Health Security was the site of the two simulations that were conducted prior to, uh, to the COVID crisis, uh, Clade X and Event 201. Yep. So, you know, they, they're they uh, at least trained the governmental officials and the health officials and so forth into how to respond to a uh, to a coronavirus pandemic. They right. trained them up on what to do, including lockdowns, masking, social distancing and forced vaccinations and propaganda and 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 uh, the control and squelching of so-called conspiracy theory and other divergent information well and it was done and it was done in the year prior right before <laughs> okay <laughs> it was done in 2000 in the case of uh ventula one it was right on the heels of uh of covid's uh, outbreak you know yep it was like the uh, same I mean, month almost if these people are not prescient <laughs> you you can take it from there either they're the most prescient people on earth or something else <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, we've already talked about this. So honestly, I'm going to have to Go ahead. Cut, the, cut the last 20 minutes and put it on rumble. So I'm just going to tell the truth. I, I, here's my big question. Yeah. Was, I, I assume you saw the reports that Fauci uh, was brought in surreptitiously. They didn't put mm -hmm. it on the books. They brought him into the CIA to talk about uh, the origin of COVID. Mm -hmm. and, and this was kept off the books. I want my audience to really hear what I'm saying right now. This was not documented. So they bring Fauci in. My question is, was he brought in 
to guide them away from the origin story? Or has he been their fucking bag man the whole time? Is this is this a CIA project? Because like mm. the, the mm-hmm. CIA is is capable of anything. Just Incredible MK crimes. Ultra and uh, yeah, I mean the list goes on and on. Mockingbird, on and on. Yeah, Gladio. Like <laughs> literally, we can go for hours. Right. Um, and and when when you see all these dots connected, plus you see the fact that Fauci hasn't been genuinely investigated or prosecuted or anything like that, and we're years past when he should have already been. Mm-hmm. Not to mention he was kept in power. He was protected. He was kind of you know inoculated by the media. He was deified. Spokesperson. Yeah, and and you have Mockingbird that's still running, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. I think the me- the media is being told that this this guy's the hero. So the narrative is painted that way. Then he gets brought into the CIA, and I'm thinking, you know, he's probably just brought in there to given you know to be given his new marching orders. Like, okay, we're going to pivot here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, because let's be honest, the the funding that he was doing, it was it had been banned. I want people to mm-hmm. understand this too. In the United States. Yeah, the the gain of function research had been banned in the United States. It was then done uh, abroad uh, under Fauci's direction and mm-hmm. funding approval. And funding. It was yes. funded through EcoHealth Alliance into the Wuhan Institute of Virology. the The virus was created there. I have no doubt in my mind that's true. Yeah. And then and then it leaks accidentally. It gets blamed on the CCP. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if the CCP yeah, I mean, was working in tandem with the CIA. Guy, yeah. They're it a gets, fall guy here. Yeah. It gets real complicated at that point, and I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm not. I I can't connect all of these dots. But like, there's enough fucking dots here, Michael. I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, I wasn't gonna go there, but you know. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it looks very, very suspicious that the whole thing was produced on purpose and released. I mean, it's very. Look, I I don't go that far in my book, The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty. I leave it to the reader to go from there. I do lay the dots in place. And, uh, you know, look, I'm not afraid of being labeled a conspiracy theorist. I'm just I just don't want to be uh, publicly wrong. That's the main thing. I well, mean, I think, I think as long as you as long as you cl- like I just did, I just clarified. I can't I can't I go can't prove it. I can't go all the way to like this is a CIA operation, but I there's enough here for us all to be asking that question, and they mm-hmm. they are actively conspiring against us. So like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> call me whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah, call me call me names. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter, and that that's another arsenal tool in their arsenal, of course. Oh, created by the CIA. (laughs) Created by the CIA. Actually, first started by Karl Popper, who had an affiliation with the CIA, as I found Uh, out. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Cool coincidence again. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, I I mean, that that is my concern is that, um, you know, particularly given that, well, I guess we should, I should ask you this since we're already deep down the rabbit hole. I mean, Mm -hmm. if, if it is a CIA operation, then, Mm -hmm. then the release, uh, the intentional release becomes more probable in my estimation uh, Mm -hmm. because, it's like all this shit is lining up. You have the, you have, why would you have the 201 uh, project? Like, unless you know it's coming. And if you know, it's, you know coming, it's coming, I then mean, it's, it's intentional, coming. right? Yeah. Like that's, I'm just using logic deduction here. Yeah. Um, and then you have this entire protocol rolled out for mail-in ballots, which yeah. is the, just the easiest way to possibly rig an election. And, I, and I've always said that I don't, th- I, I never have, an, I've never seen enough evidence to actually have a conclusion on this. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that there's a conclusion here, but they really, really want to trump out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a know? one way to do it. Yeah. What, yeah. What, do you have, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way that you don't know, but have you suspected it at all? Yeah, I mean, I've suspected it. Look, it's pretty clear that uh, they wanted Trump out and uh, that 
you know, the COVID crisis just happened to align perfectly with the election and yeah. gave them a potential opportunity to exploit uh, a weakness in the system and ex explode and expand the, the mail-in ballot system and allow for unvetted uh, ballots to be counted. I mean, look, it's very possible. You know, I don't put anything past this regime. And that doesn't mean I'm a Trump supporter. It just means that's what the regime does, you know. Yep. Uh, and it doesn't even mean that Trump is really uh, some sort of danger to the regime. Right. Uh, it just means that they have their preferences. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He, he's not a white hat. He's just right. not one of them. And that's all it takes. E exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of that's as my... far as I'll go with it. I mean, you know, uh, you go. No, that's and, fair. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't expect anybody to come to a hard conclusion. I, I, I've done, you know, interview guest spots on other people's shows that are like hardcore, you know, Trump supporters, and they, they get furious with me that I won't just say the election was rigged. Like I, like I'm, I think it very possibly could have been, but I don't mm -hmm. know. I just don't know. Um, I would like that's... to, you know, like I, I try not to make conclusions unless I can investigate the empirical evidence myself. Same. I it's think that's the I difference don't... between a conspiracy theorist and someone who actually just wants the truth, you know? So I look for evidence if I can, if I have access to it, but there's, you know, in, in many cases, we don't have access to the evidence. I right. mean, that's the problem. We don't have access to the evidence. And with uh, this government, uh, which has, uh, well, I've heard it's like upwards of tens of millions of classified documents, right? So we're barred from access to a lot of evidence. And well, so God is Congress. knows what that stuff is. Yeah, well, that, that what blew blew my mind is like so is Congress. Like a bunch of yeah, bunch even of the Congress. Inf bunch of the information they get is is even uh, you know redacted. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like we these are the guys that are supposed to be doing oversight on the CIA, and the CIA is able to redact things. Like what? Are we, <laughs> like, what how is this? It just it's so it's so clear to me at this point that. You know, Trump talks a lot about the deep state. I think mm -hmm. he's right about that. I think there mm -hmm. is a deep state. Yeah, there and, is. You know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. And and I think that like the CIA to a large extent is really uh, and the FBI, just the intelligence apparatus, whatever. Right. You, you know, along with MI6 and Mossad and all, just all of the elite and by intelligence extension, agencies. Google and uh, <laughs> Google yeah. itself, since they yeah. were funded by the CIA in the first place. Oh, exactly. Uh, you know that as well. Too. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Wrote the book on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I, I think I think there's just like, it's it's weird because even though this is all provable, like what we're talking about is provable, it's still um, one makes people think you're crazy if you talk about it, and two, uh, it makes me feel crazy to know it. Yeah, <laughs> it, know, like, it, it, it's intended to do that, and then oh, okay. I believe, and and let's just go one step further. I think that. <clears throat> These power elite, you know, and I put elite in quotes. I'm not saying they're su supreme beings or better than other ordinary persons. Yeah, by no stretch. I I'm only talking about their positionality here. Right. They literally, f they, I think, seed the ground for so-called conspiracy theories on purpose. They lay out things on purpose that so that they get enough people to say things uh, in a conspiracy theory way. For example, Klaus Schwab at, at the 2022 annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, he said, and I'm not quoting, but this is a very close paraphrase. paraphrase. He said, uh, we may have another pandemic, uh, which we have on the global agenda. 
okay, <laughs> which we have on the global agenda. Okay, so I mean, like, is he not? Is he trying to see the the conspiratorial uh, uh, ideation? Is that what he's right. trying to do? It seems Possibly. very. Yeah, it seems like this way. This way, they can deflect all criticism from the from the uh, from what they're doing by labeling every criticism as a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think is one of the tools, and it's and I think that's a CIA tool. That's another one of their oh, yeah. tools. Oh, I, I agree with you. I, I'm not sure if that particular line was intentional intended that way because it's like it is his second language. But at the same time, oh, like Cl- yeah. Klaus, Klaus is like. He is, he's such a Bond villain that it's like, yeah. like if you were to go to central casting and be like, we're going to have this guy who plots to take over the world and he's going to have this <laughs> hard, hard German He'd accent. And, part. Yeah. And, and by the way, he's also going to wear like this weird black robe sometimes. And we're, you know, like, it's like, it's like, what are you like? Are you trying to make me crazy? Like, this, yeah, like exactly. This is... I think that's part of it, actually. I think it's a side. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Anyway, I think that's so too. probably a diversion, <laughs> but anyway, I think it's one worth pointing out. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you being willing to talk about all this because I know a lot of people wouldn't be willing. And I'm going to throw the the whole like last third of this interview behind my locals. So anybody that oh. wants to see it will have to pay for it. So that'll keep okay. you safe. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, yeah, so let's give, yeah. let's give them the money shot now, buddy. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, plus I don't want to lose my YouTube channel and we would almost certainly lose it after this conversation, which means it was a great one. Um, yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's. Do you have a little bit more time? Because I'd like. To oh yeah, man. Okay, okay you're cool. The, you're the you're the show today, baby. All right, great. All right, so I uh, since we're already down the the rabbit hole here, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've I've studied this a lot. I've debated the Ukraine war with people mm-hmm. a lot, and uh, mm-hmm. and I I still, even though obviously I'm I'm fully convinced that it was provoked, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Uh, to to the extent or the intention, like there's, I have I have theories, of course, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of proof to prove out many different theories, and maybe it's all of them <laughs> as yeah. to as to why they have escalated this and risked World War Three. Um, yeah. Do you think there's a silver bullet answer? Or do you think it's a a menagerie of conspiracy and and you know cover up, or what do you think? Well, it's it's very good, interesting that you bring this up. Uh, of course, it was going to come up, but anyway, Hans Hermann Hoppe had a very interesting and I think a comprehensive article uh, published by LewRockwell.com today. Uh, in fact, about the Ukraine crisis and the war there, mm. and uh, you know, I mean, he he comes right out and says, "Look, they this this is an effort to expand the global hegemon." into Russia. It represent, represents an impediment to the global order. Mm-hmm. And uh, likewise, they did all the things that they were told not to do, uh, including move, you know, adding NATO partners on their border, uh, probably moving arms onto their border, yep. uh, and all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, very exacerbating the tensions, you know, very exacerbating of tensions there, right? These were provocations. Uh, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, there were provocations. And then, you know, what's happening now is Ukraine is used as a staging area and cannon fodder uh, for this project. And these people are being fed into the maw of maw, maw M-A-W, of death uh, in order to advance this uh this global hegemon it's a it's a crime 
you know, I think this should have been negotiated much, you know, long, long ago. And it hasn't been thanks to the U.S. and the so-called NATO allies who are nothing but tools of the U.S. in funding and arming this uh, Ukrainian uh, army, whatever's left of it. I think a lot of them are probably mercenaries at this point. Sure. arming them and exacerbating this and causing more death and destruction of property and destruction of lives and it, refugees. And, you know, I think 5 million at least refugees come out of there. And, you know, all over a gang war, as, as uh, Papa put it, it's a gang war between, uh, I'm not saying Putin running one gang and Ukraine with the backing of these other gangs is running another gang. And it, none of it's to the behooves the people in either place, yep. uh, either in Ukraine or Russia. And it's a devastating prospect. The U.S. is culpable to the extent that it is continually funding and arming this uh, and exacerbating this conf uh, confrontation and, uh, you know, precipitating the p potential for a nuclear war. Just unbelievable. So, I mean, obviously, I oppose uh, the Ukraine war. Uh, effort as it stands, and it should never have been blown into this kind of, uh, uh, you know, conflagration that it is right now. It's a it's a disaster. The, the libertarian position, I believe, the proper libertarian position is, as Hoppe put it, and this might sound a little bit odd, but when he when I first read it, it sounded odd to me. It's neutrality with reference to gang warfare. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh -huh. not like we don't. You know, you don't support either gang. But that means right. you don't fund them either gang. No, of course. Uh, you need yeah, to fund uh, the Ukrainian gang. And, of course, they're not funding the, the Russian gang. And uh, you don't get involved. And you, you, your real effort should be to protect life. Now, if you want, as a private individual, private citizen, to take in a Ukrainian refugee <clears throat> or to give aid uh, of various sorts, not arms, but other aid, then you're, it, it's totally your discretion. Uh, but to uh, forcibly take money from the citizens of the United States in order to fund this disastrous uh, and uh, imperialist uh, scheme is an outrage. I couldn't agree more, and uh, I, <laughs> I agree with your assessment entirely. Uh, the only thing I would add is that, you know, I think, well, one, the fact that there was... Uh, the, the likely outcome of this war, assuming we don't all die in a nuclear, nuclear mm -hmm. war, is going to be what Putin offered before this invasion yes. even happened, which is right. just infuriating beyond belief that he's going to end up like, but after almost a half a million people have died unnecessarily, it's going to end up being the same result as it would have been, not to yep, mention of course. The, the economic catastrophe, not to mention the inflation that has that has worsened because we're continuing to just burn money in this, uh, you know, in this pit of despair. It's it's horrible, uh, but also that that Boris Johnson at the direction of our State Department went over there and mm -hmm. basically poo-pooed that, that peace that agreement. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, what I think is interesting is that I think Vladimir Putin, um, for the first you know decade plus of his tenure, uh, even though there was some interim gap, but he was still kind of like a power broker. Uh, it seemed to me that he was trying to, you know, re or not implement, but uh, just fold Russia into like the European world, mm -hmm. and and he was just rejected at every turn. If you recall, he was even at 
World Economic Forum meetings not yes. that long ago, you know, yes, six, seven years right. ago or something like that. They scrubbed and, all that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but like, it just seems so clear to me that he was trying, he was trying to play mm-hmm. ball. Right. And they were just like, fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, this comes down to a regime change that, that you know, the, the regime, the U.S. regime and its partners, its tools, they want regime change in Russia. That's what they're up to. Uh, I oh, think yeah. that's the ultimate objective. Well, you just listen to Lindsey Graham. He'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's right. It, it, Lindsey Graham tell you straight up that disgusting yeah. neocon war hawk. Yeah, that bloodthirsty monster. Uh, yeah. I just wish he would come out of the closet so he could stop killing people. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, really. I honestly, like, as soon as McCain died, he was like, we have to blow up the world now. <laughs> like, because that was clearly his partner. Anyways, um, sorry, that was a weird tangent but let's end with this uh you know i'm as we kind of started with this actually what you know the economic outlook but um Mm -hmm. and i i know your your answer is already you know go local inoculate Mm -hmm. yourself but i am curious Mm -hmm. uh you know what you see more broadly you know like do you think do you think we have time do you think we have because like that's that's uh, that's my big question on a lot of things actually mm-hmm. like the, we, the we economic better. the economic yeah. strife the social strife the right. governmental tyranny strife like all of it is escalating simultaneously and it, and it seems to be like picking up pace too so i'm starting to get nervous that we don't have a ton of time to prepare so i'm just curious if you have any instinct on this yeah my instinct is that we're very late to the game and uh whether we can convince people to do this in terms of their local you know, getting this regime off of them locally and building these parallel structures that have, that can withstand the collapse and uh, the horror that we're going to be seeing and we're already seeing glimpses of, uh, we're late to the game. I'm, I'm going to be honest, and uh, I, I can't I can't emphasize this enough. Please, let's stop putting faith in this top-down idea that we just put a different figurehead in there. And then it'll all be resolved. Like if it's Trump or Vivek Ramaswamy or John, uh, Ron, Ron DeSantis, this is, this is total nonsense. This is not going to save us. Okay. In fact, the more energy people put into that and the more money they put into that, the more they're feeding this regime and they're actually, uh, they're actually perpetuating their own enslavement. Uh, I can't emphasize this enough. And I don't say this out of, you know, professional political interest as a candidate. I'm saying this as a human being who's been observing this stuff for for decades. Okay, and uh, I got I got to say that you cannot play this game. It's a it's a it's absurd. It's fruitless and it'll lead to our ultimate demise. We must get away from that mentality. We must we must do uh, we must do something different. And this, you know, this decentralization is, I think, the only answer. Powerfully said. And I think that it it begs the natural question as someone running for president. Mm -hmm. Why are why are you doing it? If if we shouldn't be uh, focused on presidential politics, I I know your plan is is the five percent. So I'm just yeah, I'm setting you up to, to explain it. Yeah, man. I mean, look, I'm a messenger for this for this decentralization camp campaign this decentralization movement which is what it's got to become and I'm, I'm not telling you that if i get michael rechtenwald in there to wreck the regime that's not what this wreck the regime means wreck the regime is something we do 
on a local level with Michael Rechtenwald speaking about it and encouraging and supporting this uh, and getting this message out broadly. And, uh, you know, look, we would be ha- we would be very happy to get 5% of the vote. And I think it's, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility. And that would put the Libertarian Party on the on the map in terms of a, a multi-party system. Uh, we'd get that those matching funds, which should not exist in the first place. Uh, and we get a broader, firm uh, foothold in order to continue to enunciate uh, these views and our position on these views and to, uh, you know, possibly get some part of the conversation to start understanding what we're saying and then to get moving in that direction. Uh, and uh, that's why I'm in it. And also I'm in it because I was asked to be in it. Frankly, this was not my idea. I never in my life aspired to political office, okay? <laughs> I was asked Same. to do it. And I wouldn't have done it if it weren't for the vision that were laid out for it. I wouldn't have done it if they were to say, look, you'll become you know, on, on the ballot in 50 states and blah, blah, blah. That wasn't what, look, I had a nice life, okay? I, I still do, but it's harder now, thanks to this. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing bad. I already had a platform. I had an audience. I had uh, readers of my books. I had, comp- you know, I had speaking engagements. I still do, but this was not in the cards. In fact, I had already outlined uh, uh, the, the prospectus for, another, for my next book. That's what I, and then the next day I got a phone call asking me to do this. And I'm like, you're kidding me. You know, (laughs) I got to be honest here. I was like, are you you sure you called the right number, man? (laughs) And, uh, but, uh, no, they, they, you know, given their firm belief in me and being the right messenger, uh, and also the message that was being conveyed, uh, that I happen to agree with. Right. And having been a reader of Hoppe and his, uh, you know what what must be done essay and uh, and basically that whole formula. I, I said, yeah, well, let's do, I'll do it then. And uh, look, I, there's nothing in it for me personally. I mean, I I didn't want a platform like this. I never had asked for it. This is not why I was doing it. I'm not trying to uh, usurp anybody's uh, God-given right. <laughs> I don't think anybody has such a right. No, but, uh, certainly not. And, well, uh, and, and let me just add, you know, I, I was in the same boat as you, uh, where people were, you know, banging on my door saying, on. Hey, Hey, you going to do this? You can do this. And I was like, I was like, Oh God, I really don't want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. Right. So right, I right. am, I am thrilled that you were willing. Um, and, and I think, you know, I'm I'll just probably be, just a sucker, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be straight with you though. Like, uh, you know, I've talked to you quite a bit at this point, uh, you know, interviewing you on X and I've had you on my show, you know, in years past and, yeah. um, I'm just, I, I've, I haven't heard a word from you that I disagree with. I'm just being oh, totally you. honest. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will, uh, you know, think that I'm, I'm endorsing you or something just cause I say that I'm not, I, I still think yeah. that the, the race should play out. I think that the party yeah. should choose. I think that, that the, you know, the voters and the delegates, like they should have their day in court, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm not going to sure. put my fing- yeah. finger on the scale, but yeah, I sure. And I, I totally respect that. I think you're a fantastic candidate though. And I think that your, your worldview couldn't be more in alignment with me. And, and I, I am, you know, I'm rooting for you. And I, I also wanted to lend the invite publicly if you're open to it. Josh Smith is another personal friend of mine and Mm -hmm. and he would be, I I think he would be open to debating you. Would you Mm -hmm. be interested in say maybe a month or so coming on and and doing that? Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, you know, Josh Smith is is not my natural opponent, and uh, you know, this. Uh, uh, let's put it this way: uh, together, we could wreck the regime. <laughs> right. And uh, you, guys, you guys are much more ideologically aligned than you are opponents, but still, yeah, you know. yeah. So I don't know where the space would be in that debate, and I hope hope it wouldn't turn to to some sort of at home and I'm saying. Oh well, because, me too. That uh, that's stupid. not where I want to go. <laughs> uh, I do think, though, I mean, I will say this just as an objective observer, if I could be sure. with reference to myself, is I think that I have the potential to get a much broader reach because of the milieus that I have presence in uh, mm-hmm. and having been, uh, you know, on, you know, despite the fact that they suck Fox News many times, many, many sure. times. And, you know, having a broad reach, I think. And I have a lot of loyal followers who are willing to actually change parties to support me. Uh, yeah, that's a big not, deal. not just insiders. This is not just inside baseball, but a lot of supporters. Uh, and I'm talking thousands. Uh, and they're willing to become delegates if they can in order yeah. to do so. And well, that's, uh, that's, know, that's what matters more than anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to do what's best for the party here. Uh, I wasn't a, a big L libertarian all my life. And, uh, as a matter, I've been a, a, a little L libertarian for seven years now, uh, and I have been very assiduous in my study of libertarianism, and uh, I think I'm well prepared for this. Uh, I didn't think it would ever be a role that I would ever, ever uh, entertain or even uh, uh, dream of, but, uh, you know, others thought elsewise, and so I, uh, I, I said, okay. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time of out of your life to do it. And I, I, I know it, it'll be stressful. It'll be challenging, but I hope it'll also be gratifying. I mean, it, as we've already discussed for the past hour, um, I don't think that there, we, the time is short. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need it's, to get this short. message out to as many people as humanly possible. And, right. and my personal opinion is that like, if there is any hope, even if, even if there's no hope of actually like winning the presidency, if there's any hope of reaching the broadest, broadest audience, if mm. we were to get 5% in this election and mm. then be able to be on the debate stages in right. 27, 28, mm-hmm. that's, that's where you could really fuck this whole thing up. Like you could just yeah. like, you want to wreck the regime, get one of us on the debate stage with the, the, exactly. the other demons. Like it would be crazy. So speaking um, of one of get one of us, Clint, I mean, you know, like, We've pro- we've talked about this personally, man. I would love you have you on my team, but well, I'm I, not gonna. Go- I'm not asking <laughs> for anything right there, right now on on tape. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it, man. And look, I'm I'm still I'm still open to it potentially, but I, I uh, man, I just <laughs> you got I hate an, politics. You got a nice life too. Looking at that view right there, look at that, man. That I mean, who wants who wants to sully that with all this? Well, you know, it, it's the other thing is I, I just started a show with Luke Rudkowski that we're doing live in Miami, and it's uh-huh. uh, it's doing really well right now. And it, you know, we're we've only done three episodes, and we're averaging over a hundred thousand listeners or wow, viewers man. per per show. It's fucking incredible. Um, yeah. So I, you know, like. For me, it's all as you as you know, like this this particular era is all about messaging. So like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to do whatever I can to get the message out to the most people. And a lot of people view that as like opportunism or like I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. this is all about you. Like it yeah. couldn't be further from the truth. I want to reach people. Like I'm yeah. really in this shit for the right reasons, even though people maybe can't see that sometimes. Like it's desperation time like it's it fucking is fourth We're quarter in- clock ticking down we gotta we gotta reach everybody that we possibly can and let, let me interject real quick and just say i will be linking to the lp uh sign up in the in the comments 
It, you, I, if you guys are interested in becoming delegates, it'll only be a thousand or twelve hundred delegates or something like that that ultimately gets to decide who will be the candidate. I was one of those delegates uh, yeah. in uh, to decide the chair position uh, in twenty 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 two, um, and it's a really it's a really interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Like, if people are interested in doing it, you will actually be one of a thousand or so people that gets to decide who will be the presidential candidate. So if you love Michael, if you love Josh, if you love any of the other candidates, this is your opportunity to really put your finger on the scale in a way that your average vote will never, ever matter. So uh, it's like 20 bucks a year or something. It doesn't cost hardly anything. You just got to go to DC and cast your, your delegate vote. Once you, if you can become a delegate for your state. So I just wanted to throw that out there. In the case of people supporting me, we we will also help you to get there. Let me just say one last thing about about self-interest is that I actually gave up income to do this. I, I, was, I would imagine. I get, you know, I gave up a podcast on the Mises Institute site because they couldn't have me on. Uh, it was, you know, my podcast wrecked R-E-K-T, which was just getting off the ground, but I was being, you know, fairly handsomely uh, compensated for that. And I, I had to give that up to do this. So it's not like I'm getting something here. I'm actually giving things up to do sure. this. Yeah. All right. And- so. Yeah, and and I would I would be in the same boat. So it's I, I, I get it. Trust me. <laughs> you know, yeah, anybody, I'm sure you do. Any, anybody? I, well, not to mention people think that like I'm in this for money. I'm like, do you have any I fucking idea how much money I've given up to be doing this for the past three years? Like, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. I used to run a mortgage company for God's sakes. This is. This I mean, is I gave up a full step. professorship at NYU to yeah, tell yeah. the truth. Okay? I, I think I think everyone that's in this, uh, like. If we were grifters, we'd be fucking running for the Republican ticket you know, or the Democrat Absolutely, ticket. Right. You know, like there's there's no money in this, so it's just it's bizarre to me that people still see this and don't understand. Like we're we're here because we care. Like I genuinely care. And, yeah, and, I'm, I mean, I'm looking and, at... and self interest too because I don't want to die. Yeah, that that kind of self interest <laughs> is true. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with entrepreneurship and making money. Okay. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying yeah. that's not the primary driving yeah, force. Yeah, in this case, it's not the motivation because I have other ways to do that that were a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it took a lot less grief. I, you know, with a lot of fan approbation and not other stuff that I won't <laughs> right. mention. Okay. So anyway, all right. I'm glad well, that got got a chance to get that out. Yeah. Well, you'll you'll uh, you'll you'll have a, a year opportunity or six months opportunity to to really take some slings and arrows, and uh, I hope you can weather it. Yeah. Uh, and and come out the other side stronger and better than you came into it. And and I think you're already on that journey. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. But um, in the meantime, I hope you keep crushing it on the on the media circuit. And uh, if there's anything that my audience can do to support your campaign, uh, what's... Oh, I should say, you know, go to wreck-the-regime.com. That's R-E-C, the-regime.com, and get involved. Uh, Perfect. Wreck the Regime. All righty. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, leave a comment. And uh, last but not least, if you want to pick up any Liberty Lockdown shirt, because I'm still a capitalist over here, go to toplobster.com or uh, sign up for the locals where you can see actually this probably the second half of this episode over on my locals. So if you're listening to it right now and you want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. I'll catch you guys soon. Oh, and uh, also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All right, guys. Peace. Before I get out of here, I want to thank you guys for leaving those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. It does really help. We're approaching 700 reviews incredible support from you guys it really helps with the algorithms it makes people see my show in alignment with part of the problem and tom woods and malice and all the all the big guys out there ron paul 
Like if you go to the Ron Paul on Apple podcast, my podcast comes up and that's because of these reviews that you leave because they know who listens to what and they know what people will like. And that's really, really surreal and awesome for me. So thank you guys again. Let me read those off because I do this from time to time. Oh, dog. The boss says great podcast, amazing commentary on the crazy world we're living through. Thank you so much. Crunchy boy says crunchy boy says five stars. Love the pod. Couldn't listen to Vosh. He's an arrogant idiot. Correct. And I apologize. Five stars. The egg whites. Thank you. Keep fighting the good fight. Your passion for peace is appreciated. No more lives lost to endless war. Thank you, brother. And I hope we can stop with the, the endless wars. Believe me, I do. Cold point nine five four says Jeesh that <laughs> Jeesh that Bosch guy. Five stars though. Uh, that guy sure did a good job telling you your point of view and personally insulting you without actually saying much of anything he thought. Just another smug, self-righteous, pompous D-bag. Chris from South Florida. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Uh, yeah. Anyways, keep leaving those five-star reviews. You can also leave them over on uh, Spotify. You can leave them in a bunch of different places, but the only place that allows you to write up reviews is on Apple Podcasts. So if you're an Apple listener, please do that. It's the freest, easiest way to help the show. Anyways, uh, tomorrow we'll be having on Ashley St. Clair. And next week, I will be a special guest over at the TimCast IRL live show in Miami. I think it's October 6th through 8th, if I'm not mistaken. It's close to selling out, but if you guys want to check it out, I don't have any promo codes or links for you, but you can just Google it. And uh, I hope to see a bunch of you out there. I always do. And it's going to be a couple thousand people, I think. Uh, you know, Luke, Tim, the whole cast. Uh, Project Veritas guy, I'm blanking on his name. You know who I'm talking about. He'll be there. A uh, bunch of special guests. Patrick, Beth, David, I can't wait to meet him. It's going to be really fun. So, hope to see you guys there. Catch you guys tomorrow with Ashley St. Clair. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?